It's Monday, it's midnight, it's my top ten. Welcome back to the show, or welcome for the first time ever if this is your first visit. I do hope you come back again and like what you hear. Joining me this week on the show is Cully Beaton, and in turn, Cully was joined by her friend Phil Morrow. So we had a nice little three-way. So we had a nice three-person chat. Sadly, the room that we're in was a bit brighter sound-wise, so you can really hear the chat from all of the drunken oiks around us. Um, I hope that doesn't distract too much from what's being said. Callie was fresh off stage performing her Invisible show at the Assembly George Square Studios in Edinburgh at the Fringe, and Phil and I were fresh from the audience, and both had been picked on by Callie. It's just those three characters, the whole episode. I'm joined this week on my top ten by Callie Beaton. Hello, Callie. Hi, Nathan. Thanks for having me. How the devil are you doing? I'm doing all right. Well, you know how I'm doing because you've just been in my show for an hour. How are you doing? Are you scarred? No, it's fabulous. I was uh, really kind of fishing for that. Thanks for going with it. Well, and not wishing to uh, exaggerate, um, I think it was probably, and I'm genuinely... Was it in your top ten? Do you see what I did there? <laughs> yes. Yeah. It, it definitely was. But also, I think it was probably in a lot of other people's top one because that was the longest applause that I think I've heard at this fringe, and I've been here five or six days Aww, now. That was quite a long applause tonight. Yes. I was embarrassingly long. Um, yes. So that was lovely. Yeah. And it was mainly just you, wasn't it? Applauding and applauding. No. It no. was. My hands got tired. Yeah. Um, do you think it was a similar audience to the Queen's speech? I think so. Very similar, <laughs> and the content's quite similar as well, isn't it? Oh, so. There's. There's less pelvic floor conversation in. The I don't think so. I think you just haven't been listening. There's a lot. It's a very relevant topic in the in the in Buckingham Palace. You just need to tune in. Yeah. I'll, I'll rewatch it and try yeah. harder. Yeah. Um, I hope you can hear us, dear listener, over the laughing people in the background. Have we said where we are? Shall we say where we yeah, are? Yeah. Say where yeah. we are. So we are in. Um, it's a very elite uh, VIP bar full of drunk people who we've never heard of. So I think that's how elite it is. Uh, so yeah, it's for all the famous people. And we've also got. Um, we've got. A, a guest, a guest you, you weren't expecting on the podcast, uh, but it's um, my friend Phil Morrow. So I'm just going to let Phil say hello. Hello, hello, Phil. And Phil and I know each other from um, working in television. From television, from kind. Of, I guess we met each other through game shows and things like that Shiny at one floor point. Game yeah, shows. Shiny Floor game shows yeah. for a bit. I've kind of uh, drifted between Shiny Floor game shows and uh, comedy and talk shows and various things like that over the years in a sort of a very haphazard and random fashion. Uh, and I'm not really doing it much anymore, but uh, I, yeah, I mean, do you want to know some things? Like, uh, I guess I was uh, a commissioning executive at Channel 4 in the entertainment and comedy department in the sort of the heyday of Channel 4 with, you know, Vickery's Big Night Out and uh, uh, Clive Anderson Talks Back, Sean's Show, uh, Whose Lens It Anyway, you know, etc., etc. Uh, you know, 
other comedy type stuff. I was head of comedy at Thames, uh, working with, you know, uh, Tim Vine, Armstrong and Miller, Matt Lucas and David Williams, all these kind of people. Um, uh, most recent comedy show I did was a thing called School of Hard Sums with Dara O'Brien for Dave, which we did uh, three seasons of. Um, yep, so I guess I've been hovering around the comedy world uh, and I, this is probably my 30th year coming to Edinburgh. Gosh. So I've, uh, I've uh, watched a lot of comedy, live comedy, and Callie is one of the best. I was about to say, what's your favourite 50-year-old ginger <laughs> solo show which touches upon menopause that you've ever seen? Is that, can you think who that would be? Um, it's not Susan Coleman, it's... No, uh, I think Frank Skinner used to be ginger. Yeah, <laughs> you did. I do love Frank Skinner. Have you seen yeah. you, you weren't here in time? No, I didn't. I missed it this time, but uh, yeah. I did a pilot with him a couple of years ago there, and he was great. So that's my friend Phil, who also is ginger. So on every level, he's hugely qualified as a guest on your podcast. Phil's, um, Phil's was in the audience, weren't you, Phil? I was in the audience. It was a pretty amazing experience, to be honest. And how did you feel about being picked on by Callie? I deliberately tried to really quietly acknowledge I was ginger because I wanted to give her some support, but uh, she, nobody else was ginger in the entire audience this particular <laughs> night, so she awkwardly then had to pick on me, which was awkward for her and a little awkward for me, but probably more awkward for her as she was on stage. But to be fair, to, to be fair, and Kelly did mention this, you're not that ginger. Not that ginger. Uh, drenched fox. Drenched fox. <laughs> <laughs> more than I like to say nowadays. Lovely. When I talk about my drenched fox, people tell me to shut up. It's <laughs> their dinner. But yeah, it's all right for him. Phil was quite ginger when I first met him, but we go back a couple of decades. It's got darker and darker as the years go yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. Not everywhere. No. Okay, that's lovely. There's an image to put you off your kebab later, Nathan. All right. Let's let's get into the meat of this thing then. So, um, give me your See life story, Callie, in three sentences, please. Okay, my life story is um, that I grew up as a ginger girl in a boys' school. I then worked in television uh, for 30 years. I met Joan Rivers. She told me I should take up stand-up when I was 45. She was 81. I said I was too old. She said, you're not, because I'm 81. Nobody disagrees with Joan Rivers, so I did my first gig at 45, and five years later, at 50, I've jacked in my day job, and now this is what I do for a living. How was that? It was a bit more than three sentences, well, but, but they some, were good, weren't they? some creative they? punctuation. Yeah, I th yeah I think we'll stellar that. stuff, I thought, yeah. yeah. And then, um, so normally I would ask, for three career highlights but you've had two careers so maybe we should ask for six career highlights well I can give you my first career highlight wasn't mentioned just now I used to drive um, when I was uh, when I was doing my A-levels I left home at 16 and I went to college in Salisbury in Wiltshire and I made a living driving an ice cream van round the army camps of Salisbury Plain on a commission only basis it was, it was dog eat dog out there uh, and uh, yes and and one time I uh, there was nowhere to go to the loo really out on those um, on those sort of remote army camp planes so I sort of drove my little ice cream van down a tank track thinking I'll just have a piss and I capsized my entire uh, van and uh, had to just wait await arrival of a tank which took some hours by which time most of the stock had been uh, eaten by, by me. Uh, so yeah, that was, um, and I never really did make much money there because it's hard, commission only on an ice cream van and it had a hand uh, turned chimes. There was no like digital button, you had, to, you had to physically wind the chimes. So you had RSI in one hand, a bursting bladder, a capsize, and it was tough times. It was like being in the army for me really. So that was a career highlight in terms of anecdotal value, yeah. 
um, underage barmaid, I was an underage barmaid, and then yeah, lots of serious ones in my telly career, lots of good ones, not least meeting Joan Rivers. Yeah. And of course, as you said, she, she told you to go forth and stand up. She did indeed, in mistake, and then she died. I don't think it was connected, I don't <laughs> know. Uh, but yeah, she wasn't around to see the to see not the fruits of her loins what would the term be <laughs> see the fruits of her labors i don't know she wasn't around to see it let's leave it at that protege emerge <laughs> yeah that's nice that's nice yeah we'll go with that with your accent it sounded lovely and moving on to your top 10 what is the subject matter gingers um it wasn't going to be gingers but then phil rocked up i was like oh shit we're gonna have to do gingers now so changed it yeah so uh, yeah gingers um, uh, and what this is going to sound crazy, but what criteria uh, have you used to decide who the best 10 gingers are? All they've got to have is ginger collar and cuffs. That's it. As long as they're real ginger, they're on the list. Yeah, that's it. And is there sort of like a hierarchy from copper down to strawberry blonde? No, I don't mind. They're, they're not ranked in order of gingerness. Uh, there are other criteria upon which they're ranked. And as you can see, we've got Phil here and he's barely a real ginger anymore. So it's a broad church. Yeah. And it's just got to be real, not out of a bottle. That's it. Nice. Is your and it, not out of what stretches from me to Boris Johnson, <laughs> who also thinks he's a ginger, apparently. Does he? Apparently so. He thinks he's an intellectual as well, yes. and, and a prime minister. So yeah, he's highly deluded. A lot of deluded. Were there any near misses? For this list, yes. uh, well, my son could have been on it. My son's ginger. Phil could have been on it. Uh, he didn't quite make the grade. Um, so yeah, there were a few. There were a few gingers that didn't quite make it on ginger. Ginger spice, you know, Jerry Halliwell. She didn't make it. So, um, but you know, I feel like it's it's strong as it is. I think we've uh, yeah. There's no sporty people on here, and you do get the odd ginger sports person. It's rare, obviously, but there's no sporty gingers. So yeah, it, but I didn't. I didn't find it too tough to narrow this down. So where are we going to start? Who is the first? Uh, these aren't ranked, are they? This is a no. collection of ten gingers. And I'd like you to think I could rank anything at this stage in the fringe. I can barely tell you my name. So no, these are not ranked uh, at all. But shall we keep one? Let's keep your favourite one back for last. So okay. That we can at least uh, have end on a high. Yes. It's unlikely we're going to end on a high, but yeah, let's. I like your optimism. Yes. Okay. So the first ginger on your list, not necessarily in any order, is. I'm going to go with James Acaster. Because this is the Edinburgh Fringe and James Acaster is one of my absolute and entire heroes uh, and when I, I still think his shows, you watch him do an hour and that is how we all want to be able to do an hour of stand-up. I, I could watch him in terms of how he delivers anything anyway. I think he's got the most superb way of, of communicating his comedy but I just think his writing's incredible and his shows here, I've watched most of his shows many times and I don't get tired of watching them and I don't get tired of marvelling at them. So this is a very unhumorous but sincere praise for James Acaster, yeah. And I'm really gutted that he's not here doing his thing, but obviously he is here doing his book thing later, yeah. And also he and Ed Gamble have um, a podcast as well, which yeah, is off one menu. Of the superior forms of communication. Yeah, podcasts. Everyone's mad about podcasts. I love that. Do you like off menu? Yeah, I do. I think um, it's brilliant. And I heard you on Jessica Foster Q's Hoovering podcast. Yeah, did you hear how great I am as a cook? You know, I'm very, very intelligent uh, when it comes to very sophisticated with my foot. Anyone will have to tune into that one to hear quite how brilliantly culinary I am. Although it seems that your tastes 
are quite bland by your own admission. Yeah, Cheetos and um, and Haribo and yeah, takeaways. So are you really. holding your breath for an off-menu invite off the back of that? I'd love an off-menu invite. I love a podcast invite. So yes, I'm doing Richard Herring's on Friday. I feel I've arrived oh, once wow. I've done that one. So yeah. Once you've done this one. Once I've say. done this one, yeah. then I'm going to just work my way down the hierarchy again yeah. through Richard Herring to off-menu. Yeah. Nice. Um, and obviously James Ocas has got um, Hypothetical with Josh Widdicombe. Um, uh, and and I did QI with Josh Widdicombe. Let's just drop that in there. Because, That's you know, where I was going. I think, yeah, I've stolen my thunder. Have I? Yeah. yeah, I'll steal anyone's thunder. I'm like a Greek goddess. Yeah. So how was your QI experience? It was really nice. That one was very gentle and kind. So that was with Josh Widdicombe and Stephen K. Amos, who I, I, I didn't know Josh, but I know Stephen. And it was very gentle and lovely. And then I did one with Rod Gilbert and Phil Jupitus that was more, a little more rowdy. It was right. a little rowdy boyish sort of experience, that one. Still fun. Not quite as uh, relaxing as my first one. Yeah. And do you relish the boisterousness or Well, when they started wrestling each other, I thought, this is a hard one to join in with. Bit of a boys club, not sure what I do here. So um, then Phil put his back out and me and Sandy had to help him up. So suddenly we were back in the game. So, uh, yeah, but it was, it was nice. It was, you know, it's great. I'm, I'm not going to say a bad thing about QI because obviously I'm waiting to be in the next series. So, um, yeah. And Sandy's been here but saying nice things about my show, which I thought I'd throw that out there. You know, that's helpful, isn't it? A bit yeah. of self, self-promotion and Sandy promotion. Yeah. Instantly, are you going to be touring the show after Edinburgh? Well, that is what I'm having a, a dinner about after I see you. Yes, so I'm sitting down with my promoter to work out what we do next. Obviously, Phil thinks, you know, he's been in comedy for 30 years. It's by far the best thing you've ever seen, right? I think you should be doing stadiums all around yeah, the country. Yeah, so that's, I think that's great. It's good enough for Phil. It's good enough for the rest of the world. So I'll be there in the yeah. stadium. Just, it will it just, just be me. you and, me and yeah. Nathan might yeah. come too. Yeah. But you'll have to sit fairly near the front so that she can pick on you for being ginger again in case there's no one else. I'm now going to tour with the show as the <laughs> kind of the stunt stooge ginger, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, the gooch. Yeah. Yeah. The gooch, I love yeah. it. Yeah. And finally, on <laughs> hilarious Acaster, um, yeah. Obviously, he was on my favourite show, Taskmaster. Is that something that you would like to do in future? Listen, at this point, I'll do anything. You know, I'll, I'll sleep with the devil if that's what's required. No, I won't. I would love to do Taskmaster. Yes, I would. I wrote a piece in the Guardian yesterday uh, about ageism in comedy, and it is interesting that the things I do do on radio and telly, which I've done more radio than telly, but I'm doing regular stuff. And every time I do it, people are like, oh my God, you're such a natural, which isn't surprising given I've spent my entire life um, communicating on stages and with microphones for a living, but it just doesn't convert as quickly for me as it does for some of my peers, um, who also absolutely deserve to be getting them. Good luck to them. But I am probably not getting quite my share of telly at the moment. So I am, uh, yes, I'm out there looking for telly. My bigger aims are in radio. I love radio and that's what I listen to more than watch telly. But um, yeah, absolutely, love to do Taskmaster. So, what are the radio shows that you've sort of got on your hit list? Uh, well, what haven't I really? I mean, all of the kind of like you know um, news quiz and, and all the kind of nice kind of panel ones and just a minute. Um, I've also got a couple of pilots that I've pitched into um, Radio Four. I keep having a go during the commissioning rounds and I hope something will hit. Um, and I've also got a podcast that I'm looking at. Um, with with a quite a big radio producer who do a lot for Radio 4 so I'm honing in on Radio 4 I do quite a bit for um, BBC Radio London and I've done some stuff for Radio 2 Six Music Talk Radio so I do lots of stuff Didn't I hear you on so, Steve Wright the uh, other day? 
No, Johnny Walker. Oh, it was Johnny. Yeah. That's who it was. Yeah, yeah sorry. Walker. Of course it was. Yeah. 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 That was amazing. Ah, oh, I love yeah. Johnny Walker. That was a big moment for me. Yeah. So, um, yes, so basically, yes. Radio, telly, whatever. Yeah. I'd be interested to hear about your podcast offline. Yes, exactly. Well, it's not. I don't want to jinx it, but um, yeah. So My agent will be listening to this going, why are you sounding so desperate for telly and radio, Callie? We're trying to make out that you're curating your choice very carefully. So next on the list. Truth is your brand. Yeah, exactly. It is actually. Yeah. A very good brand to have. It is. Yeah. Number nine. At number nine. Let's go with the Weasleys. Um, because as we've all just heard, I had a hilarious joke about being mistaken when I go to the US for a Royal or a Weasley. Um, so I guess the Weasleys, they kind of made Ginger a little bit popular, didn't they, in the mainstream? Probably would have been quite helpful when I was a little girl getting bullied in a boys' school if Ginger had had any kind of fashionable cachet in a movie. And I guess the Weasleys became a, a sort of family who were the objects of affection because of Harry Potter rather than, um, you know, I know there was a bit of teasing of them, but I think it made Ginger cool again made them run with the cool kids so um, I suppose I've got an affection for the Weasleys and of course Harry Potter were some of the books that my kids most loved growing up I've had to read aloud all of the Harry Potters and that's 785 hours of your life you'll never get back so um, have you had to read the Weasleys uh, Harry Potters no, to your I have kids? To be very honest my, my lovely wife uh, read all of them to my children but not me I listened that's really great. So that's it. Just, just so everybody knows, emancipation is alive and well in Phil's household. I didn't have a, a wife to read them, so I had to read them myself. Yeah. I've never read them. Never seen the films either. Well, you've got time, Nathan. Uh, not if they're 785 hours. I might not have that time. But you don't have Earth. to read them aloud. You could just read them in your head, and that's quicker. Uh, I'm, I'm male. We're not very good at that. Yeah. Audio books. It is for you then. Yeah. Oh, definitely. I do yeah. a lot of driving, so yeah, get through loads yeah. of audio books. Um, so yeah, the Weasleys, I'd say, uh, yeah, that we'll put them in second, uh, in second in our podcast listings. Is J.K. ginger enough to be a ginger? No, not even close, is she? Would you say yeah, J.K.? I wouldn't think of her as ginger. She might have been a ginger as a child, maybe. I don't know much about her as original anymore. What do you think? It, it, it all looks stuck on. Yeah. A friend of mine who's married to quite a famous, uh, I won't say who, she's married to a famous man in his 70s and she's been with him for the last 15 years. She's quite a lot younger. And she said to me, it didn't make me laugh, she said that everything's gone wrong with him uh, it bodily since she's met me. He's had like, opera not cosmetic operations, but everything's gone to the dogs. She said the only thing that's original about him is his penis. And I thought, <laughs> there's, a, there's a quote, isn't it? So anyway, I know that's not very connected to what we were saying, but, but it's a charming anecdote nonetheless. Yeah, Appar you're welcome. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Apparently, J.K. has ginger running in her family, though, and the the Weasleys are a, a tribute to that. Was that's one thing I know about oh, the Harry really? Potter series? Oh, there yeah. you are. Um, She's trying to get on the ginger train. How very dare she? She yeah. hasn't paid her ginger dues. But in researching that one fact, um, I also found out that um, orange hair in medieval times was considered a sign of witchcraft. Witchcraft. Would I have been like bobbed into a, what did they do? They'd see if you floated or drowned, didn't they? Yeah. And then if you drowned, you were innocent. Yeah, fucked either it's way. It's always been happens. very patriarchal, the world, hasn't it? Um, yeah, so witchcraft. Yeah, well, I am a witch, so I think that's fair. Do you have so any witchy skills? Yeah, I think that's, I've got lots of witchy skills, yeah. Any good spells? If any good spells, I'd have got five-star reviews in my own talk show by now, so no, I'm out of spells, really, yeah. Not out of smells, but out of spells. So, um, who is next on the list? 
Uh, I'm going to go with Conan O'Brien. Oh, on the yeah. subject of talk show, that was like some kind of spell you just cast there. Yeah, very slick. So yeah, Conan O'Brien, I love all those um, late night. Well, I've worked for a lot of my corporate career was working for American TV companies. So I worked for Viacom for a really long time, who own, you know, Paramount Pictures, Comedy Central, Nickelodeon, MTV. And I always liked American uh, talk shows and I always liked American shows like Seinfeld and Curb Your Enthusiasm. But spend, I used to spend about a week a month over in New York. So I would watch kind of US output in the US as opposed to just the bits that made it over here and of course Comedy Central had um, The Daily Show and The Colbert Report um, obviously don't have to Colbert anymore so I'd always loved watching well I loved you know um, all the kind of old sort of hosts like you know I used to you know Carol Burnett back but God knows how I even saw it back in the day it must have been repeated somewhere or maybe I've assimilated it as a memory as an adult that I used to watch it but there have been so many incredible talk show hosts over there and the way they write those shows the writers rooms they have the level of the writing and performance and now in these troubled times one of my greatest pleasures is watching Stephen Colbert and Seth Meyers so Stephen Colbert doing his late show monologues and Seth Meyers doing closer look and I actually get quite upset on the dark days um, not metaphorically dark although that too but the days when they're not recording so I guess Conan O'Brien would be one of that stable of incredible monologuers and I mean to survive in late night TV in the States, there's no wiggle room for error. These guys are so professional, and I think working in telly, as I've done and as Phil's done for many years, you do really understand the skill they're operating. What do you What do you think about that? I wouldn't miss either show. Watch every show every day. Yeah, yeah. I literally catch up with, with Myers and Colbert every day. Aren't they brilliant? With a little, I'm also a big fan of Bill Maher, mind yeah. you as well. And yeah, also, me too. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and also John Oliver. Yeah. Our own John yeah, Oliver. Yeah, our own John Oliver. Yeah. yeah. Bill Maher I find a little bit harder to I listen to all his um, you know uh, to the podcast versions of all his stuff I I just find the serious bits very serious and it's very long I love his monologues and I love some of the segments I sometimes can't quite get through the depth and breadth that he covers in every episode I'm slightly obsessed with US politics so I I guess that's why I particularly like Bill Maher because he really deep dives and he also meets the opposition yeah. he's the only one who oh, gets yeah, he people does. from the other I agree. side in, which I think is really good I, but I, I mean Colbert I think is probably the master oh the my moment, god watching Colbert he's one of my absolute yeah I mean you know if Mrs Colbert ever you know unfortunately <laughs> passes away I know he'll be waiting to meet me so and you so you watch these films as often as you can is that over here or when you're in the States no over here so you can watch them all um, you can well you can watch the monologues you, you can subscribe to watch quite a lot of the content here but yeah Bill Maher I um, get via the podcast is that what you do as well no I you watch, do, you watch uh, it? I, I watch uh, real time oh yeah uh, which uh, it, it goes out you get it on Now TV on a Monday. Okay. Oh. oh, do you? I yeah. just I listen yeah. to it, which is so um, uh, the, the the real time show from the Friday previous Friday night. So I tend to watch. It. I think it's also on YouTube. You can probably get it slightly quicker. But yeah. Um, I tend to watch it just on my sort of sky catcher. Yeah, basically. yeah. And you can get all the. Uh, I, I, I always watch um, uh, Colbert. You just buy YouTube Colbert and Seth Meyers. Yeah, but so I much on YouTube. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, they do. You can pretty much get it. And actually, the Guardian curates the best of the. Le- they quite often on their site have the best of the late night 
Torsha, so yes, yeah, so Conan O'Brien is the only ginger one that I can think of from that stable, and I, um, yeah, I'm a, I'm a bit. I wish I liked Samantha B more, given that she's the only woman who's broken into late night telly over in the states. Yeah. But I, I just can't. She I can't. She does, but I think she's a harder watch, and I really wish she wasn't. And I feel bad I saying it, but I just can't quite get into her as much as the I can. The hit rate the is just not quite high enough, and her delivery just yeah. isn't quite no. isn't quite what it needs to be, which is a damn shame because it's so brilliant that she does it. So, yeah. so Kelly, because of this dearth of. Um, female talk show hosts you've been commissioned hooray amazing what does your show look like uh well i think it'd be amazing to have I mean, we, we looked at this when i worked at comedy central and we looked at the daily show and why there wasn't a daily show in the uk and we, we tried various things um, including a version of the daily show for a very brief pilot um, and there doesn't seem to be the appetite in the UK for these incredibly tightly written acerbic political sort of monologues that lead into talk shows that have that very specific US late night vibe. I don't know if there is an appetite for that sort of thing over here. I know I'd watch it, um, but my ideal would be to do something. And you know, you've just seen my show. I quite like stuff that's got social and political commentary interwoven with mindless shit and knob gags. Um, so any show that would allow me that that range would be amazing. Um, so yes, I, I think I wish we had things like those, like the Late Show with Colbert over here. And I actually think it would be hugely helpful for our politics if we had a platform that voiced the kind of alternative opinion at the moment in the way they do, so, yeah. I think Matt Ford's show is pretty solid on Dave, actually. Yeah, but that's there's, true. there's not enough of them. It's yeah. just not, and it's the not frequent enough. It's like in very short runs. And also, you need to build a head of steam with these shows you do. to get a regular audience. Yeah, it has to be year-round. Yeah. I mean, you know, that they, they, they have all of the kind of late-night shows in the US. They, they run with very limited, you know, going to black. They might take two yeah. weeks off at a max. That would be it. They, they're in the calendar, aren't they? I think a lot of the main networks are very... Yeah, restricted by an Ofcom sense of the political balance and all that, yeah. whereas the US shows don't seem to care about that. They don't anymore. give a shit. They don't give a shit. Yeah. It's fantastic. It is fantastic. So anyone who's listening and hasn't checked out that it's it's and it's incredibly reassuring if your politics are not aligned with the Trump Johnson eras in which we unfortunately live, it's incredibly heartening to know that there are intelligent voices who are willing to express opinions articulately that might challenge Thing, you know the status quo and it makes you confident that at some point there is going to be reaction to the actions that are now being taken let's hope it happens in 2020 at the latest yeah next on your list okay i'm going to go with julianne moore or as i think her name is usually pronounced the lovely julianne moore yeah um, well, Julianne Moore is, um, I love, I've, I mean, I've always loved her. In my, I feel like I'm a poor man's Julianne Moore. I mean, a very, very poor man, a man who's uh, never had a job's Julianne Moore. Uh, Julianne Moore. I've always, um, even before I'd ever um, dated or slept with a woman, I think I probably knew that I would quite like to sleep with Julianne Moore. So maybe, and then I saw her in The Kids Are All Right, and maybe it was her frolicking about um, in bed with, uh, what's her name, Susan Sarandon, that made me think, oh, you know, maybe that's an idea for me. So I've got a bit of um, a bit of a sort of crush on Julianne Moore, but I also think she's the most incredible um, actor, although I did just see her in, what was that latest thing she was in? If I'd researched this properly, I would know the name of it. The last thing I saw was a thing about Alzheimer's, which was an amazing that film. That was amazing. Yeah. Uh, that was where she got early onset Alzheimer's. Yeah, yeah. Well, then she let us all down with a film that she did recently, yeah, you, you Google it. Well, and it was it was about her being a single mum, my kind of age, out dating, and it was just awful, very disappointing. Um, but I still, I just think she's very, uh, very, very talented. She doesn't really buy into all the bullshit 
that uh, a lot of Hollywood actors buy into. We're looking at what it is. No, it's not any of those. Uh, Gloria Bell. Right. Bloody awful never film. Saw it. Oh, well, don't ever see it. No. So Gloria Bell is the only, I would say, the weak link in the chain, and sadly that was the last thing I saw her in. But I just think she's awesome and the things she stands for and the way she deals with kind of fame yeah, and... Oh, yeah, still Alice, so good. So, yeah, I'm a, I'm a big fan apart from that one film, and she turned me uh, into someone who loves women as well as men. And you also have something in common with her in that her actual name is Julie Ann Smith rather than Julie Ann Moore. Oh, and is it? Of course, it? your real-life name isn't Callie Beaton, is no, it? No, well, it's, it, Callie is also a real-life name, but Caroline is the name that Phil knows me under because that was my tele-corporate name. And, um, yeah, Callie was always the name I was called. So family, friends, lovers, very close people to me all called me Callie. But my work life was always Caroline. And then when I started stand-up because it was a slight conflict of interest potentially with my day job. I deliberately did it under the name Callie um, so, there, so it wouldn't be traceable. Obviously now it's all quite combined and everybody sort of knows who both are. But as a corporate speaker, which is how I make a lot of my living, doing after-dinner speeches and keynotes, I'm still booked as Callie now. So it's become Callie for all things. And now when people call me Caroline, I think I've done something wrong because it feels very formal. I think mm-hmm. I've been told off. <laughs> so... And my dad's always, you know, my dad's just been up at the fringe. He's always called me Callie. So, you know, there's been no shift from most people in my life. Yeah. And have you, have, have you had any other variations of Caroline? You ginger twat at school, that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, apart from that, no, pretty much Caroline and Ka- I think a few friends might have called me Carrie at some point. Yeah. Are there any you hated? I was, I was always told, um, oh, my parents were told, oh, if you call him Nathan, he'll get called Nat. And they weren't so keen on... Nat King Cole, you could do worse than yeah. that. Yeah. Not having any Natty. Oh, Natty. Yeah, I think an ex called me Natty, yeah. Well, that's a good reason to make them an ex. Yeah. Fuck that shit. Next on your list. Here have we got? Okay, let's go with... Um, well, let's just get Prince Harry out of the way. I, I've got him on here. Um, subject of some controversy. I should fill my uh, my list just before we started and he was like oh you've got Prince Harry on there what did you think about that he was right at the top of the list that was what surprised me yeah yeah Um, yeah I guess that sort of adoring royals thing isn't isn't really me but uh, you know he's very definitely ginger and it's good to see a ginger in a position of high authority in the land yeah, and, and one who looks so good as a Nazi as well. It's lovely. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, it, yeah, it's just because he's like a famous one. I've got a couple of jokes about him. I do feel a bit sorry for Meghan at the moment, but I don't really care too much because they're the royal family and I think they've got enough privilege to kind of ride to the end of their days without us feeling too bad for them. Um, but yes, I think, um, I think he's just on there because he's a famous ginger, really. Um, haven't got much... I haven't got much else to say about him, but I thought he should be on there. So going down the Nazi I guess the question is, where did the ginger come from in the family? Well, I think we all know the answer. Yeah. Yeah. Going down the Nazi route, um, so the Aryan race, so the blonde hair, blue eyed, is is there an equivalent for the red-headed race? What, in terms of, uh, well, the Vikings? I guess they... Probably were. It feels like they were red. Vikings. When you your whole Iceland yeah. story, were they red? Yeah. I think they were red. Yeah. I think I've got a bit of Viking in me. I, I think mean, it's, I'd like it's a bit. something to do with, uh, you know, 
vitamin A and yeah. skin, light skin, yeah. isn't it? Pale skin and red hair went with that. Yeah, yeah. And the further north you went, the lighter yeah. you were. Yeah, yeah. I think that's right. I did find when I was in Iceland, which is what my show is about, I did feel very. I, I know this sounds really weird. I did feel really quite at home in Iceland in a really weird way. If I'd been, um, I'll say for your listeners, the story of my show is about me being dumped in Iceland, the country, not the shop, by a by a boyfriend. And if I'd been dumped in, like, I don't know, Spain or Italy, I'd have actually felt a lot less at ease than I felt. I quite like kind of cold, icy countries. I like Lapland, and I, li- I like that. I don't know what it is. And um, I had some very interesting conversations with Icelanders who said I was a little bit Icelandic. Wow. Um, and I decided I am a bit more than a bit Viking, I, I think. And, and if I ever were to go live somewhere else, I wouldn't mind living in Iceland. Yeah, I'd agree. I went yeah. there almost a year ago and loved it. It's really. Have you been to Iceland? I've never been to Iceland. Well, you need to crack. I know. On. It's yeah. a, it's on my, you know, thing to do before I die. Has list. it gone up your list now? That it I, has you now. Know, yeah, your show. story complete. Yeah, I'm, I'm just snow tires. Get just, snow tires. Get snow tires and don't go with me. Exactly. Yeah. And if you do go with me, you won't come back with me. Yeah. Yeah. And a phone charger. Yeah. A phone yeah. charger. And when the Icelanders um, said that they thought you might be one of them, were you ever? Uh, challenge to use the app yeah the app the incest app which I talk about in my show there is a real app uh, which uh, which determines if you're too closely related to engaging carnal activity um, and the government everybody's details are on there and it's a proper thing uh, so um, I wouldn't need to use the app I'd be very welcome new I'm mean, like I guess I could I don't because I'm not on the database I think no that would, would be useful known. in Northern Ireland. I think it would be useful in North Dorset. Yes, right? exactly. Yeah. <laughs> well, actually, it's the last thing they want there because they rely on not, they're not being one. Oh, well, that's just generalised a few bits of, uh, of England and Ireland. Good for us. Didn't some major US centre make some statement the other day about, uh, about most of us wouldn't be here if it hadn't been yes. for incest yeah, and rape? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was lovely. It was an anti-abortion uh, yeah. battle cry. It was really, really very cheering. We were a right laugh for a minute, aren't we? Finally, on Prince Harry, so we mentioned the um, fancy dress and also uh, 17, he was caught drinking underage and smoking cannabis. It's quite rebellious, isn't it? Is, is rebellion quite a red-headed trait? I don't think it is that rebellious. Like, if you look at what he did compared to any of like our children, it was pretty lame. I mean, not the Nazi bit. I'm glad our children have never done that. But, you know, all, all kids are meant to, like, you know, go and try everything, aren't they? Sort of sex, drugs and rock and roll. And I think just that the royals... If they do anything that's a bit like that, then suddenly it's a big deal. So I, um, I, I think, is it rebellion in the red-headed gene? I don't we, think. We've been tarred with this brush for years, which yeah. came from the whole witch thing, I think, you Rebel know. Rebel <laughs> Yeah, you know, that red-haired people were somehow fiery temp. It's just a very sort of pathetically sort of, you know, literalistic approach to a colour. Yeah, we are. I mean, I think the only thing you do need to know is that we're better in every way. Um, yeah. That's the only fair stereotype. But beyond that, I don't think one should generalise. Although apparently we're going extinct. Yeah, that's what they say. Yeah, know. which is hard to. Where I come from is very, very hard to imagine. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. there's one born every, every minute. minute. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Next on the list. Next on the list, let's go with Vincent van Gogh, as he is pronounced, because I speak fluent Netherlands. That means I speak fluent Dutch. Uh, so my kids are half Dutch, um, and I'm not with their dad anymore. I haven't been for 15 years, don't want to be again. But um, Vincent, I'm not going to hold that against Van Gogh, who was obviously an amazing artist. And um, I think probably I remember there's there's the museum. Um, 
museum plane in Amsterdam, which is where all the museums are, the Van Gogh Museum, the Modern Art Museum, the Rijksmuseum. And um, I suppose just seeing, having gone to all those museums with my kids since they were tiny, my kids have been brought up bilingually and spent a lot of time there. So I guess he's got a little bit of a place in my heart uh, because he's an artist that the kids know a lot about. And my daughter now lives in Amsterdam, so I wanted a Dutch connection. My daughter's not ginger, by the way, big letdown. Um, so yeah, just a ginger earless artist. Um, and I thought, why not? You know, do you like Van Van Gogh? I've been to that museum. I I, I kind of do. It's kind of messy his work, and yet somehow interesting. It does speak to me. Yeah, that's because it's like your career. Messy. It is. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's pretty much sums yeah. me up. Yeah. So we like him because he's messy but interesting. So uh, why is Phil's career messy and interesting? Oh, just me joshing around. Well, yeah, I don't know. I guess I've kind of failed upwards over the years. You've ducked and dived, bobbed yeah, and weaved. Exactly, bobbed and weaved. Yeah, exactly, bobbed and weaved. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's, uh, yeah, it it's definitely, plan, it's definitely not been, yeah, a lovely, smooth plan but it all worked going upwards, out. but it's been okay. He succeeded yeah. in spite of himself. Yeah. Oh, that's what we're saying. I think that's pretty, yeah. pretty good summary. Yeah. And as part of your show, um, Callie, you say um, that you were. You had a near-death experience, um, and Van Gogh. Yeah. How, how's that? As that's that's all right. If it's not great, you're not going to win any prizes. Oh, but, no. you know. I must try harder. Yeah. So, but he had some great last words in that they were rumoured to be, "The sadness will last forever." Had, that just sounds like Edinburgh. Had you conjured up some last words for yourself in your near-death experience? Oh, that's no. Do you know? I didn't really have last words for myself. Probably that I was a fucking idiot, you know. I was like, just try, because I do a bit of a kamikaze streak, and I do do, I mean, all the stuff I say in the show about jumping out of planes and off bridges, you know, I used to skydive and I've done base jumping and I've, you know, ridden motorbikes too fast and I've ridden off cars, and I, I have always had a little bit of more, more than my fair share of adrenaline junkiedom. And I think in Iceland, I was like, you absolute knob, you know, you've done this, and it's not even a kind of radical way, uh, way to die. You've just totally idiotically gone unprepared into what could have been quite a nice road trip. So, no, just you twat, I think is what I was thinking to myself. As last words, you know. Yeah, you twat. But I often think that about myself on a normal day, so it was nothing, nothing so different from that. From the normal inner voice that I have. So number four on the list, in no particular order, of course. Right, let's have a look. So Ed Sheeran, uh, we can probably knock through Ed quite quickly, really, because I mean I do like his stuff in a way. You can't help but hum along to it. Um, I like the fact that he sort of he sort of isn't very cool, still, is he? He sort of he is a bit of the uncool sort of kid, but he doesn't really care too much um, I always think when you see him with like when he does his collabs which I believe is what the young call uh, those <laughs> things um, when he does those I feel like he doesn't care he could be with Stormzy and Stormzy's rocking out kicking ass looking cool and Ed Sheeran looks like your sort of neighbour's son on I think right now though he is the number one ginger isn't he yeah if you think of the ginger yeah, you do Your think first thought is Ed Sheeran. Well, he's in my show as a ginger joke, I mean, you know, yeah. of all gingers in the world, he is our king. Yeah, yeah, he is. And and he is a, a, de he is a decent musician. Let's not, let's oh, not yeah. take that away from him. I know, he him. absolutely is. I mean, my, my kind of, you're not asking, but if you were asking who is my kind of pop music crush, it would definitely be George Ezra, not Ed Sheeran, who isn't ginger, obviously. But I, um, I didn't know much about George Ezra apart from I knew his songs 
and I was emceeing the comedy tent at a festival last year and I only did the gig because my daughter wanted to get free tickets to the festival and George Ezra was headlining one of the nights and we ended up staying up to like two in the morning in the rain to watch bloody George Ezra and I was like I don't even like him Oh, well, as soon as I'd watched him for an hour, I, I thought he was a fine young man. Uh, so I would say George Ezra has a piece of my heart that Ed Sheeran does not have. But, you know, George isn't ginger, so I had to go with Ed. But then there's always Mick Hucknall. Oh. That, now, you notice he's not on my... No. Uh, I've got a scurrilous thing I could tell you about Mick Hucknall for my MTV days, but I won't because none of us want to be sued. On the subject of collabs, quickly running away from that little bombshell you were going to drop on us. Um, so... Ed Sheeran has recently had an exhibition in Ipswich opened for him, curated by his dad. Um, and one of the exhibits is his dropout from college letter, but there's also a collab that he's done with Damien Hirst um, on a painting. So, would you um, have an, a left field I've collaboration? I've got a to Damien Hirst. That's an interesting. I went to Goldsmiths, uh, which uh, in London which is where uh, Damien Hirst went and he was, we overlapped at Goldsmiths so I, I think I did a collab with Damien Hirst back then, he won't remember it um, so if I did a collab oh it's hard to know any medium, doesn't he? Doesn't have I was to be secretly art. hoping we were going to see Ed Sheeran's head in formaldehyde yeah, you know? that would be good wouldn't it? Yeah. Yeah. yeah I'd go and see that for sure I would definitely go and see that I don't know if he'd sound as good any collaborations you'd be up for? With gingers? With anyone. Collaboration? Oh my goodness, that's a, that's any a broad question. question. A, any media? Uh, oh, it's way too open, isn't I it? I mean, you know, some of, the, some, some of those American names you were talking about earlier would be my absolute heroes. Yeah. I mean, to work with Stephen Colbert or something oh, would be like an absolute joy. I, I, I was in New York two years ago working with some of the writers on his show. And that was in itself a joy, oh, just one imagine. degree separated yeah, from, I can't from them. You know, so I know some of the guys who work on the team, and yeah. that was really, really oh exciting. And I went to see the show and everything. So, I've seen uh, him do the Colbert report yeah. a lot. Yeah, we can't stop talking about Stephen no. Colbert. Uh-huh. We I went keep... to the Late Show, yeah. Yeah, we're, fan, we're fangirling yeah, yeah. about Colbert. I'm a fangirl for sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Have you ever been in a writer's room? Uh, yes, Comedy Central, so I, I would, because I work there and I worked on all the big shows over there, so yes, I had the pleasure of being, but not as a writer, in a writer's room. I've had the pleasure of being in writer's rooms. I guess nowadays, people do talk to me about doing that now, and there's a big focus, particularly within ITV, on balancing out the gender balance to be 50-50 on and off camera. Um, I'm probably quite unconfident about my writing, um, even though I wrote the show you've just seen, and I guess it's... I think I, I'm proud of the show and I think I rate it well but it's not a natural I find I'm not as confident in my writing as my performing I feel like it takes me a really long time to get things right and a lot of my writing takes place in performing I MC a lot and a lot of my better jokes come from mucking around with a bit of material that's not great and making it better with what I do with the audience so that I guess it is writing because that's writing it. yeah but I do my writing is much more live and the audience is your editor yes definitely oh. and, and I don't know if that makes me an absolute dick or no. enormously tough it's, it's, it's a way a lot of a lot of performance work yeah I find it incredibly hard to sit and write and I'm just not funny when I sit so I'm, I'm scared that if I were in a writer's room I'd be a huge weak link I don't think you would. That's the lack of because because actually what you're good at is bouncing off people, and if you're and particularly if you're in a good writer's room, and people throw stuff at you, you'll bounce off it and you'll you'll come up with material. That's how it works. Yeah, I've sat in lots of writers' rooms, and that's part of the magic is exactly that human interaction. Uh, You know, if you'd sat on your own, you'd never have come up with it. 
Yeah. Yeah, but yeah. sometimes in the right context, someone says something and you have a knee-jerk reaction and you say something really funny. Well, it is, um, and actually the idea, it's a weird thing writing comedy on your own because, you know, you wake up in the morning and you sit at your desk trying to be funny. Um, it's kind of kiss of death to being funny, really. Yeah. I mean, I always start with trying not to be funny, so I wrote this show as a story giving myself the instruction not to have any jokes in it and I obeyed that instruction very well and had no jokes in it until some started to come so yeah I, I so I've never sat in a writer's room and I think your instincts come into it yeah because I think once you're telling a serious story you instinctively have to puncture yourself yes yeah, the way that's you perform, true. You know. yeah, yeah, that's so true. your comedy comes from almost yeah, yeah. an awkwardness about oh, the yeah. seriousness yeah 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 that's very true so yes I haven't sat in one as a writer I dare say before my dying day I will I've heard you say before that you sometimes suffer from imposter syndrome. Is that something that would... Yeah, totally. I mean, I, I talk. that's one of the things I talk about around the world is imposter syndrome because people would probably... Um, I didn't realise this at the time, but, you know, I, I've had some things that seemingly make me quite a successful person career-wise and I always felt like I was going to be found out and I never showed any chink in the armour in all my years sitting in boardrooms and it's only since I've become a comedian and it's all about mining your vulnerability and, and being a bit more authentic people don't take to you on stage if you seem flawless and smug uh, so I've kind of had to mine something that I hid all my corporate life uh, so yeah I, I do talk about I mean obviously Michelle Obama slightly put me to the post in terms of monetizing uh, monetizing imposter syndrome but yeah it's one of the things I get I get asked to talk about around the world and do talk about it's an even more effective talk when you've not been asked and you just turn up exactly. <laughs> can you see how good he is in the comedy industry see see what you've got here on your podcast I've it's got like two for the price of one it's comedy gold, comedy gold. yeah comedy gold so, Kelly, as we're closing in on the top three, who would be, in no particular order, at number three? I'm going to go Damien Lewis. Um, so, Damien Lewis um, it lives in my neighbourhood, goes to my local cafe, uh, is a parent at a local school, and I see him when I go and buy my newspaper. So I thought that's why he should be on there as one of my local celebrities, um, which I know is probably very boring to everybody listening. But that's he's an amazing performer, though. He is an amazing. Do you performer. watch Billions? Yeah, yeah. But he did go to Eton, which puts me off. Yeah. Oh, so, did he? Yeah. I, I hate him now. Yeah. Just double check that on your phone, Phil. Let's check. I'm not. I'm pretty sure he did go to Eton. Yeah. But I mean, there are worse exports from Eton, to be fair, aren't there? You know, he's not the worst one there is. But yeah, so he's my neighbourhood ginger, apart from me and my son, and any other neighbours who are ginger. Oh, he was friends with Rory Stewart, we'll forgive him. Yeah, that's true. And he's recently been in um, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood as Steve McQueen. That's, yeah. That's got to be forgivable for many other sins, surely. I think so, yeah. I mean, I, I would forgive him most things, to be honest, yeah, apart from maybe. Have you got Eton? You've got a picture of him, I think. Like yeah. Sorry, internet, so yeah. So he was he was at Eton anyway. So you didn't know that. Fun I didn't fact. know that. So we, do you know each other to nod in the street? We probably. I mean, I'd jostle him out of the way in a queue for a flat white, like it wasn't even a thing. Yeah, I probably would. But I, don't, I suspect his fame is somewhat greater in my immediate area than my fame. I think if he's a local, well actually because I live in the centre of London, there's a lot of celebrities live around there. I am not considered one, I would say, and he is. That's the only difference between us. Give it a couple of years though. Yeah, exactly. They'll be like Damien who and oh my God, is that Callie Beaton? Yeah. Easily. 
So that's Damien Lewis. And he famously played a. Uh, Damien Lewis. Famous, uh, Damien Lewis famously. I can't say it, can I? No, I'm going to say it. Da- like, you just finished the sentence. Damien Lewis famously. Played, which was while well, struggling, it was that extra L. Yeah, yeah. That's going to come in next. A spy in Homeland. Do you think with yeah. your globe trotting. Uh, Fit, fitting into the ballroom, fitting into the comedy scene. I'd be a great spy. I think you would if you were like already. A, I'm a really good. Well, I probably am not, or I wouldn't be talking about it. But I Unless do think I'm quite good at being a chameleon in any situation. I can really pretend to fit in really well anywhere, whilst inside hating myself and knowing I don't belong anywhere. So I feel like that makes me almost a spy. Um, and actually, what better Did for you? Say chameleon or comedian? Chameleon. Chameleon. We all know I'm a better chameleon than comedian. <laughs> let's be honest. Uh, but and what better cover for a spy than a comedian getting paid in in beer vouchers and dirty tenors? No one would suspect us of having a slick 007 other identity. So yeah, who uh, knows? I think it's a double bluff. Could be. I think I'm in the midst but of a couple just of spies. You've it, if so. So thanks. You're very welcome. Number two. Don't say anymore. Yeah, I won't say anymore. <laughs> it's good you'll be here to, um, to stop me saying anymore. Right, number two, let's go with Princess Fiona. And I would say, I felt like I needed, um, I mean, obviously I've got a dead person on my list. Um, and I've got now a fictitious person on my list. I feel like a fictitious ginger is important. And there are a few. I mean, like How to Tame Your Dragon. That's, full yeah. of, that's beset with gingers. But I kind of think Princess Fiona as the kind of anti-hero stroke heroine in a very famous cartoon film series. I feel like she deserves a mention. I also feel she looks nicer when she's being the monster Fiona than when she's the made-over Fiona. I like her before Yeah, no, I would totally agree. That's a lesson to us all, so maybe the Instagram version of us isn't as good as the real one, (laughs) children. So, yeah, she's on there just for shits and giggles, really. And there's controversy over whitewashing in Hollywood. There was a furore when Halle Bailey was cast as Ariel, another uh, famous cartoon redhead. Um, But Princess Fiona was played by Cameron Diaz. So do you think that in Hollywood roles, not enough is being made about redheads not playing redheads? Yeah, well, or not voice. I guess redheads play redheads. You quite often... I'm trying to think if there's ever been a time when an actual actor had their hair dyed red when they weren't a redhead. But I guess that would be if the role... Female, female actors, I think, there must be some female... I mean, is Nicole Kidman, is she really red? She's probably strawberry blonde. Possibly. I think some push the redness. But then would you, but then the interesting thing would be, like to, to follow on with your, your, the theme you've mentioned, then it would need to be a part that's written for someone ginger, where someone not ginger dyes their hair to pretend they're ginger to get the part. So that is what we would need to hone in on. It certainly happens the other way around quite yeah. a lot. So, yeah, yeah. Um, I always remember that line, uh, did you see The Last King of Scotland? Oh yeah. Um, you know, with Forrest Whitaker as he Yeah. I find your red hair quite disgusting, <laughs> you know, which really hurt me yeah, in the cinema. It still hurts, you know, yeah, even saying does, the words. Does, yeah, yeah, I can see. Yeah, I think, um, but I think really for voiceovers, I kind of think it's fair game, really. Who's the right voice going to be? Who cares? Kelly Beaton. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I need to. I need to stop riding the, the voiceover train. Yeah. is paid almost as well as the corporate train. Yeah, I need she to does get on that. Ginger voices and brunette voices. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly yes. And blonde, if I've got a couple blonde, of proseccos. Yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah. 
So we're nearly there, Cully. Let's have a quick run through of how the top ten looks in no particular order, of course. At number ten, we have James A. Castor. At number nine, the Weasleys. At number eight, Conan O'Brien. At number seven, Julianne Moore. Number six was Prince Harry. At number five, Vincent van Gogh. At number four, Ed Sheeran. Number three, we had Damien Lewis. Number two was Princess Fiona. But before we get to your number one, Callie Beaton, how can we make the perfect ginger person using people that already exist? I'm going to ask you both that question. Well, it's really easy. Just me, me and Phil. Yeah. That's just... Yeah. If we'd, you know, in, in different if times... We, yeah, if, 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 if there'd been things a, have been different yeah. and we, we'd had, had another offspring, yeah. you know, one of your favourite words, yeah. um... You know, that would be the perfect. We'd have had a little ginger yeah. prince or princess. Yeah, it we'd have called it. We'd have yeah. called it. Uh, we'd have called it Cali Borrow, yeah. Beaton and Morrow. Yeah. Yeah, Cali Philippa Borrow. Yeah. yeah. And that would have been lovely, and it would have been the perfect thing. Um, it's a shame for the. It's a shame for the world it that, is the world that, that we, the world won't see it now. I think it's too late now. I'd say it's, it's definitely too late for yeah. me. Yeah. I, I can't speak for yeah. you. Um, Seem, uh, yeah. Yeah. So um, you know, he's got no lead in his pencil, and I'm clean out of eggs. No. So there's never going to be a, a Cali Philippa Borrow, but that would have been the perfect ginger human, wouldn't it? Yeah, the world, you know. The world's missed out. The world has missed out. It's a great loss for the world. And actually, that answers your collab question from earlier. That would have been the our the collab. perfect collaboration yeah, yeah, is yeah. me and Cali together yeah. with a child. Is it collab or child. collab? How do you pronounce it? I was just copying you. I'm collab. I'm very I think out it's touch. a collab. Do you know about this? If my kids, if my kids are listening to this, which they won't be, because it's something I've done, uh, so they're not interested. But if they did, they would be so cringing at my use of that word. Yeah. And so, my use of my breath in my body. Those kids, eh? Yeah, that's kids. As long may I not have any. So where do you think your offspring would be in the range of strawberry blonde to copper? Well, I know. Oh, you mean the one we would create? The, in our the, mythical the, the super. One of mine is. Ginger? Yeah, one of mine's None ginger. Of mine are. But mine's not full ginger. He's disappointingly brunetti ginger. Yeah. Um, but my, my daughter's not at all ginger. I think ours would not have been at all ginger because when you have two gingers... Well, it's a kind of... It depends whether it's... Shit or bust, isn't it? I'm going to be very technical, but it's homozygous or heterozygous genes. Well, that's sexy talk. Yeah. It's a shame it never did happen. Um, yeah. <laughs> well, they hear you swing both ways. So. Yeah, exactly. It doesn't matter to me. Um, so I think our kid wouldn't have been at all ginger. Although... Which spoils the answer. I know I answered the question because it would be the best ever ginger. No, I, I think it'd have to be. It, I, I don't know the long words that Phil just said, but dominant and recessive genes. Surely, if gingers are dying out, they must be the recessive gene. Apparently so. It is a recessive so gene. So between you, you've got four ginger genes. And yet, if that were true, how did it emerge? Yeah. If we all started in Africa or wherever, how did gingers ever happen? Yeah, David Attenborough. So, good question. You know, genetics is not quite as straightforward as you know some of these fancy scientists like to think. No, exactly. So we might get naturally purple-haired people. Gingers will rise again. No, no. Gingers will be like those. Um, what are they called? Transformers. Yeah, I can imagine a kind of a. A handmaid's tale type society where the gingers are the precious ones. Yeah. You know? Yeah, that, it's nice. It's always nice to imagine a dystopia um, at the end of, yeah. a, of a fun podcast. So thanks for coming up with that. Uh, that's nice, isn't it? It's cheered us all up. Yeah, thanks, Phil. That's lovely. So, uh, who's it's always a wet weekend, even when he was in comedy. <laughs> it hasn't got any better. <laughs> I'm strictly behind the scenes. <laughs> 
would you like my number one? Callie, who is your number one? He <laughs> said, would you like your number? Um, so my number one is Carol Decker. Before I said that was my number one, do you know who Carol Decker is? I know you do now because you've researched her, but did you know? I remember honesty? walking down Worthing Avenue with cola roller balls in my hand, hearing uh, China in your hand, blaring out from Paul Adrian Seymour, mum's... Phil's modelling China in his hand. It is, it's is. my China, I can't drink from it now because he's had his dirty thumbs in it. But, yeah. So in no time at all, you've gone from repopulating the ginger world to being disgusted. That's... Well, it was only Very hypothetical. Fickle. I didn't actually want to start touching my china. So, <laughs> and actually, that's quite. You know, um, have you read Catelyn Moran? I didn't know you thought that was so personal. <laughs> have you um, read Catelyn Moran's How to Be a Woman? Uh, not read the full thing, but read bits of it. Yeah. Well, she's got a brilliant thing in it. I mean, I think most things about her are brilliant. But she and her sister, one of her various sisters, they didn't know what to call their um, vaginas when they were little and they, they never could quite find a word they liked, which is a problem a lot of women have. There, are, there isn't a great word for it still. So they would call it their chinas. They called their vaginas their chinas. And then when, and then at around that time, China in my hand came out and they, to this day, can't listen to it without absolutely pissing themselves. So you putting my china in your hand is more of a, yeah. you know, without my consent, it's, it's quite a big, quite a bold move. Um, which to enter, get your hand off my china. Get your hand off my china. Uh, this is a podcast yeah. with one of the notable feminist comedians of our time and you just grabbed my china like it was yours for the taking so I was going to sit <laughs> yeah uh, I can see Nathan's like how much can I cut from this conversation no. I'm inherently lazy but I was just thinking there's a wrestler called China as well a lady wrestler is there so she's oh. just called Vag really yeah exactly right. yeah but so did she ever visit China I doubt it <laughs> I doubt it very much so yeah Carol Decker I remember Primary hand blowing out, walking down Worthing Avenue yeah. back in whenever it was, 88. Yes. And I was, um, at the time that Tapau were really big and Carol Decker was a big name, um, Sarah Ferguson was um, in the royal family and was, was also, and, and both Carol Decker and Sarah Ferguson, uh, because it was the 80s, they have massive sort of red hair. Um, all backcombed and made to look as big as it could and I also as a person who was a teenager in the 80s had massive red hair and I did very often get called Fergie or Carol Decker depending where I was and um, and now when I go out my hair's now as people will know who've seen my picture it's, it's reasonably sleek bob but I um but I, as soon as I go out in the rain, so the Edinburgh weather is not good for my hair because as soon as a bit of sort of misty, muggy rain comes out, I do end up rocking a bit of a Carol Decker. But when I say that, most people are like, rocking a what? So, uh, <laughs> but I still say it because it pleases me. So I look like Carol Decker, but only when it's been raining. Um, of course, Carol Decker's on Celeb MasterChef. We've already established that your cooking skills... Non-existent. My kids haven't had a meal in, well, in their lives. Yeah, they've had to go foraging like pigs looking for truffles since they were born. Yeah. Phil, are you any good at cooking? I have my moments, you know. I mean, oh, he uh, does sod all, like the story yeah. reading. No, 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 and he, just I, lead, I, he delegates. I, I, yeah, I'd say I'm an all right. I, I make it up as I go along, though. I don't use recipe books. The best way, I think. You know, so I throw things together in a sort of semi pseudo scientific fashion, and it usually turns out okay. I'd say my kids are usually quite happy when I'm cooking. More, more so than anyone else in the household? No, but actually, in fairness, some of my kids are amazing cooks. My, one of my sons, my son lives in Amsterdam, 
is an extraordinary and, and his uh, his wife is uh, works in a Michelin starred restaurant. Oh so, really? Yeah. Or did. Yeah. And obviously if we'd had so, our if we'd had the um Cali Philippa Burrow child, I think it would have been a bloody fine cook. It would have been a fine cook. Yeah, really because was. we wouldn't have wanted to do anything. We'd no, have by just then, made we'd have been, it yeah. slave for us, yeah. cook for us. It would have been Clean. quite quite a good changing <laughs> the beds. Yeah, changing you know? our nappies. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. It would have been amazing. Yeah. I'm sorry to break your bubble, but it wouldn't. If you've both got um, offspring that have run away to Amsterdam, then a combination of the pair of you would definitely have fucked up. We wouldn't have let a ginger no. one go. Yeah, we'd have known how to keep. Oh, is that it one. only the non-ginger ones you push off to the ones Yeah, actually, that's off. true. My, my ginger one of my two, my ginger one's the one that stayed closer to home. Yeah. Yeah. He knows he can't fly the nest. It's not safe out there. He needs the ginger mother hen around. They're also slightly magnetic ginger people. Yeah, they are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they do tend to cluster. They do, yeah. They'll interfere with a compass on a bad night, won't they? Yeah. It's all the iron in the hair. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> magnetic, is it? Yeah, 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 yeah. And personality, but you know. So, Phil, you've just come out of Cali's show. Is there anything you would say to our listeners? This show is touring soon, and it is honestly one of the best shows in Edinburgh this year. And you absolutely can't miss it. it. It'll make you laugh. It'll make you cry. It'll warm your heart, and it Aww. will, uh, yeah, you know, and make did you it choke, make you choke in your chips. Oh, well, it was a little, few little pathos, emotional moments, certainly, yeah. certainly, because it, it really is. It's really true and really personal, and uh, but also really funny. And that combination is actually really, really, really engaging. Really, uh, yeah. I honestly, I thought it, uh, it's fantastic. You absolutely need to go and see it. Ah, and it is um yes yeah, so it, so it is called invisible as people will will know, and um and people might also know it was inspired by that French guy Yann Moi who at the start of this year said a woman at fifty is invisible, and I as a woman at fifty do not feel invisible. So so yes I will be doing more with invisible. I've also got a couple of spin-off ideas called invisible, in 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 the written form and the audio form. Uh, so I'm looking at some things I might do with that. Um, I've been writing a few bits of columns in broadsheets. And stuff so I've got a few things on the bubble in terms of performance and um, and potentially other types of things tying into the kind of the age I am and, and what I'm doing with my life reinventing at this age in my life Kelly Phil it's been lovely thank you for coming on my top 10 thanks for having us thank you very much so that was Kelly Beaton and her friend Phil Morrow Look out for Invisible coming hopefully somewhere near you in the near future. Thank you very much to Ellie and Ella at the Assembly George Square Studios who uh, very kindly let us have the posh room out the back of the backstage area as it were, um, which was great. Uh, This was my first of three podcasts that I recorded there and thankfully it was the only one that was particularly noisy around us. Uh, I hope you managed to make it to the end through all of those hideous guffaws from tables nearby and I assure you the other two don't sound quite so bad. Thank you once again for your company. You can support the podcast by rating and subscribing on your podcast app or chucking some money on Patreon. The clips are mounting up there. However, the Patreons aren't. Follow my top 10 pod on Twitter and Instagram and come back next week for the fantastic Annie McGrath. Bye, 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 bye.